Ladies and gentlemen, the commercials. Your grandfather's in the backyard urinating. Your grandmother's washing her socks even though she's got none. Your father is kissing a priest out in a Chevy parked in the driveway. Your mother's tired on the fifth or sixth. Tom Collins, and I'm talking about the man, not the drink. It's Thanksgiving at your house. This is how it always goes. Don't you wanna kill yourself? From the main streets of Brooklyn, New York, and coming to you from Studio 6C, this is the Commercials Free Podcast. We are roughly 66.7% of the sketch rock trio, the Commercials. My name is Dave T. Koenig. And this is Ken W. Pond. And we are here with a great show on tap. Hi, Ken. Hello, Dave. Uh, we have uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, we've, we've got some fun with Google Voice coming up. We've got a visit from Badass Johnny, and we've got a great guest tonight. Super guest. A super guest. A member of the legendary sketch uh, group, if you will, formerly on uh, MTV, uh, a member of the state. Kevin Allison will be by to uh, talk a little bit about the state and mostly about his new podcast, uh, the Risk Show, which sounds uh, very super intriguing awesome. and yes. super awesome, and 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 all of those yeah. platitudes. But uh, wanted to start this uh, particular episode, Part- particular particular right. episode of uh, the uh, commercials free podcast. Um, you know, we we you and I were talking about music, and and we're, I don't know about you, since we're talking about the state, it sort of put me in the mind of of what life was like back in the early 90s and, uh-huh. and um, the big music at the time or was sort of sort of at the time was uh, grunge did right, you, did you right. get into grunge not at first because like everything I always get on the bandwagon like five years later and it finally <laughs> sinks in and I get it but at first like you mean you're talking about like Nirvana yeah Nirvana and not Pearl at Jam. first at first I was like what a bunch of noise but then I was like okay yeah yeah but I did like it I liked Bush I liked uh, you know those other people those sort of like offshoots that yeah. kind of came yeah, out of exactly that didn't weren't exactly from the Seattle scene but they right they kind of came and music along. snobs would would totally uh, condone uh Bush because they're like uh, th- yeah th- but I liked it I liked well, I liked the style you you Hong are Kong by the way Hong Kong which proves that we are uh, right here in Brooklyn NYC that's right uh, but we uh, have uh, another article that and I'm starting to sound like a broken record that uh, we have another um, cue from from the site mentalfloss.com right uh, and this is a small item and it just started my whole uh, mind working. They had an article about uh, musical hoaxes. Okay. And specifically, uh, what do you mean? Like by that? like Milli Vanilli type hoaxes. Ah, okay. Yeah, my favorite one that they listed was uh, all about a New York Times article that they ran back in 1992. Okay. <clears throat> and and the New York Times being the, you know, 
awesome, cool, uh, you know, with it uh, newspaper they were, especially back in in 1992, <laughs> they decided to do a big expose about the grunge scene just in time for it to start falling off the face of the earth of and being replaced by boy bands and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and what they did was they, they made a phone call because at the time there was no internet and uh, you actually had to uh, call somebody. You had to press numbers. It was yeah. very, very... Uh, Speak person to person. There wasn't... Uh, there it was wasn't, belittling like a, you were some kind of Egyptian slave. Yeah, but you didn't know any better. No, and that's, you didn't. That's the big difference. And that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah, you 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 went along your happy way because you didn't know any other way of life. Right. And uh, what they did was they they called to get the lowdown on the grunge scene. Um, they called somebody from Sub Pop Records, and actually got a sales rep on the phone, and asked them if there's any like grunge terms that they can put in the article, <laughs> so that they can inform their readers. So, you know, when you, the 48-year-old parent wants to relate to their 16-year-old kid, they can say cool phrases to them. So they put this article together, and at the end, they did a glossary of terms. Only oh, my God. The whole thing is the, the, the sales rep from Sub Pop Records was, screwing with, was screwing with the New York Times. Oh, my God. Well, hold on. Let me just stop you and yeah. say, it, it, you're not cool if you have to call someone. To find out what is that exactly that right. in fact that makes you so not cool that you're extremely not cool and this is why it was the New York Times which especially back then was like you know it was your grandfather's news yeah the, the the old gray lady yeah. um, but so they, they they have some stuff like wax slacks <laughs> which was a term for old ripped jeans um, harsh realm which was bummer um, <laughs> Lame stain, which was an uncool person. <coughs> uh, what, a, what a lame stain. Yeah, Tom Tom Club, which which was their term for uncool outsiders, and probably my favorite, um, Cobb Nobbler, which was the term they used for loser. And I can only just imagine somebody in New York going, "Oh, isn't this excellent? I can go to Seattle now and start talking the local language." <laughs> And how many people probably did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. And got their face rocked off. Exactly. So it, it back then, though, you kind of almost have to give the New York Times a little bit of a pass on the basis that there was no Internet. So you, you didn't have uh, the, the various websites to give you misleading information. So, you know, there was no way to right. verify that kind of stuff. That, that information, yeah, that's true. So... It made me think about terms today. Now, now, a lot of in the news is about uh, <clears throat> the conservative Republican Party, and I don't want to turn this into a political show. But the this uh, isn't a political show. No, by far not a political uh, show at all. Yeah, you might have to replace me. Uh, yeah, based on the first you know few episodes of this show, it's clear that you are <laughs> politically minded. I am in the wrong place. Yeah. So anyway, conservative Republicans have been going around uh, trying to uh, do protests and things like that, and they call themselves the Tea Party, which is obviously a play on the Boston Tea Party. Of course. Uh, you know, no taxation without representations, but without representations. 
I just turned it, it into It could be pluralized. Yeah, why not? Without sure. multiple representations. A, a, without multiple representations of your fascinations. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Lucy in the sky. I told you we can't do that. Oh, I mean, Muriel in the place with precious stones. Now, now, okay. Oh, we, it's the same melody. Too. Yeah, the same melody. We so, were talking before about <clears throat> what, what we can do and can't do without getting sued. Yeah, because we don't have any license to use any licensed music on this show. Right, but you know, we're not using it. We're reproducing it or doing it yourself has much, very different legal connotations. You know that, right? Uh, I do know that, but I know that it wouldn't it necessarily would be, Dave, stop it, somebody. It, it, if I sing less than 15 seconds of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, yes. we'll get a pat on the butt and, and, a, and a packet of sugar. Really, they, that's but they the would, punishment. That, that, that sounds more like a praise to me. <laughs> a pat on the butt. and That's a, how non-enforced it probably would be. But no, 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 I understand me. Well, no, I would not want to run into a buzzsaw of litigation just because we felt like singing, you know, uh, you know uh, Start Me Up or something like that for a few minutes. You know, I'm going to research it, but I'm sure if you just sing something and it's not the whole song, who's going to... And they'd be coming after us. It's not like we've got like a Fort Knox budget. Like, look, we're going to have to give up a couple million to the people at BMG. Well, a couple of million? I'm glad you have that kind of scratch, man. <laughs> I'm Jeez. saying we don't have that kind of scratch, so they won't come after us. Uh, they may not come after us, but it's not like... Uh, 60s rockers are against the idea of suing people who inappropriately use their tunes. Uh, okay, so you have these Tea Party people who are out there, these conservative Republicans who are out there, and they're going from location to location, and they've given themselves uh, a further nickname than just the Tea Party, and they're calling themselves no. Teabaggers. Oh, my God. Now, Ken, when I say to you, Teabagger... What What's the first thing I think? What what comes to your mind? Lowering my testicles into somebody's mouth. That is what a lot of people would think. <laughs> so you have these lame stains in the tea party going around calling themselves... The tea baggers. The tea baggers. And they think they are the cat's meow. They the, don't know any better, do they? I can't believe for the life of me that nobody has said to them, Hey, by, by the way, just so you know, I'm just saying this. You don't have to... You know, do anything about it. You, you don't have to, like, follow what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, there may be some problem if you go ahead and you refer to yourselves as people who would lower their stuff into somebody's mouth. Uh, and they, even, they probably wouldn't even get it now. Like, my dad, uh, one time he came out from painting the, the you know, the part of the, the, the uh, basketball basket. The right, right. Thing. And he comes in and he's like, I just finished a rim job you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I was like, Father? Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. I'd like to talk to you. This, you know, my father being a wonderful man and, you know, this being almost a compliment, very naive of sexual lingo. And it's kind of nice. It's actually... It is nice. It is refreshing to me yes. that, you know, because one time... He's like, someone sent me an email, and there was a video in there. And I was like, go on. He's like, well, one of them was putting their arm into somebody's butt. Oh, my. Jeez. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, Pop, I'm not into that. But there are people that do that, and it has a specific name, which I, won't, I don't even want to get. because it's so No, it's, it's probably too much. But you can imagine. It's the F word. 
and it ends with an isting. <laughs> so if you can read between the lines there, you might be able to piece it together. To piece it together. You know, just fill in the blanks <laughs> that Ken has provided for you. It reminds me of a story. Um, uh, when, when my now wife and I moved to uh, Queens for the first time, um, we, d- we went out to lunch um, with my mom, and we were going to go shopping after that. And at lunch, we discussed where we might go to uh, buy stuff. And we were thinking of one of those uh, big stores where you can get stuff in bulk, like a Costco or a Sam's Club or... In this case, you know, a, a, a BJ's wholesale, and um, I already know we have, you know, we, we didn't have our smartphones yet, so we, you know, we were at the mercy of not knowing um, where stuff was. Like this was right. in the in the you know the 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 way way back in in the early two thousands when things were completely primitive. Wow. So what we decided to do was call uh, Stephanie, my wife's mother, who was home. Okay. And ask her to look up the websites to see if there was a location near where we were in Queens. Uh-huh. It's very illogical, lo- very logical thing to do. We thought, and Stephanie got on the phone with her mom and said, "Would you mind going to these websites?" And not being very Google-minded, she said, "Okay, well, what are the addresses?" And we tried Costco first, and then Sam's, and there weren't any locations close to where we were. So finally, Stephanie said, "Well, well, how about BJ's?" And her mom said, "Well, what's the what's the address for BJ's?" And Stephanie said, "Oh, I don't know. I'll probably try BJ.com." <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sitting next to Stephanie, and from where I was. I heard on the other end of the phone conversation, Oh my goodness! <laughs> and Stephanie started laughing hysterically. I started laughing hysterically. And my mom goes, What's so funny? You're kidding me. And I had no idea how to explain to my mom why that was funny. Eventually, Stephanie had to bite the bullet and, and actually explain to my mother why that was She's funny. She's a good woman for taking that bullet. Yes, I mean, that's is. just what's so funny. Yeah. It, you I should have said, well, what's, what's, what's the uh, web address for, for uh, BJ's.com? She should have been like, it's www.hotteensluts.net. It might as well have uh, been, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And be like, give us a location. <laughs> I'll give you a location. <laughs> I'll give you a location. This is the Commercials Free Podcast. Uh, it's coming to you by... Our own website, www.thecommercials.tv. Live. On, 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 on digital tape. tape. Yeah. Uh, or through the magic of iTunes, which is always, uh, which is always fun. Um, we uh, have been having fun with a special segment uh, that we call Fun with Google Voice. Now, can't explain this Google to us. Voice. Google Voice is very, very convenient. If you have a Gmail account, you can get a Google Voice phone number. It will route any calls to that number to any phones you want. But also, it has this cool little feature where you can get voicemails, check them online, and Google will actually interpret the audio from the voicemail and convert it through this speech-to-text technology into a written word that you can read on your phone or you see as a text message and stuff. However, the technology is nowhere near where it needs to be to properly recognize a voice message. Right. So as convenient as it is to get, let's say, a text message of a transcript 
of the voicemail that was sent to you so you can check it in a meeting and nobody knows, it's less than accurate. Yeah, it's less yeah. than 100% accurate. In fact, it's almost it's it's hilarious. It's actually it's hilarious. very funny, yeah. which is why we're featuring it here on the sh- <coughs> on the show. Pretty much every show we've had, we've had this Google Voice segment. Yeah, and it was kind of an accident that it came up and it was it, it it's it's great. Now now what we did this time, instead of just leaving each other messages, we decided to to put our number out there and we welcome you to call our number. What's uh, that number, Dave? Uh 347-829-PUNK. 347-829-PUNK, or if you prefer... P-U-N-K. 347-829-7865. And uh, as soon as we told people about it, we got a bunch of messages. And we figured what we'll do is we'll just... We'll share these with the world. We'll share these experiences. And, 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 yes. Why don't you show them one of the first ones we got once we put up the number? Yes. And, Uh, you know, people seriously call in, and the wackier and crazier and insaner... It is the better. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's do, yeah, do your thing. Be yeah, yourself. Yeah, we we invite any and all input and tell uh, a story, do a jig, whatever. Whatever. It's all, so it's all good. So this is uh this is one of the first ones that we received from uh, the good people out there who uh, decided to give us a ring and uh, well well let's just listen. Hello, my name is Tino. I am calling to inquire about a possible position as a chef. In your institution, I am very good at cooking. I am what is known as a master of French fry. I can cook French fry in any configuration, be it a tater tot, a crinkle cut, or a steak fry. Any thickness of potato will not throw me off. I can cook in a skillet, in a deep fryer, and occasionally on a solar panel. Uh, don't ask. Uh, I'm also very handy with a pinoli nut. There is nobody who knows more recipes that include the pinoli nut than me. And if you give me a bucket, a bushel, a container, a pasta, or even a single pinoli nut, I can do wonders. I can make souffle. I can make uh, an eggs dish that will be delectable beyond compare. So please, if you're interested in my chef services, please give me a call back. You can reach me. Look me up. I love you and good cooking. Well, first of all, um, apparently we also included um, a wanted ad for a chef. For a chef. Which I don't remember doing, but... I was just going to say, as soon as it was done, hire him. I know. It's like I do, That sounds really, really good. We won't have to go anywhere to eat. We'll just have this thing catered by our own chef. Right. And the only thing problem we have is we have to look him up, and he, all he gave was Tino... Yeah, we don't. So that yeah. na- that's going to narrow it down to maybe like eighty thousand people across the United right. States. The only thing we, code. the only other thing we have to go by is a six three one area code, which means either a he's out there in Suffolk County, or b that bastard he's uh, got one of those uh, you know spoofing technologies on his phone, and and he's just pretending to be from Suffolk County. Yeah, because someone would go to that much trouble, Dave. Exactly. Now I was being facetious. Fine, fine. You, 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 you can be facetious all you want. I can see what's going on here, pal. All right, now here's the thing about Google Voice. As convenient and as awesome as it can be, it's it's imperfect. And so what yes. we've been doing is I, I have been... Well, tell them what I've been doing. Well, what we do is we read back this um, flawed Google text translation of the message and Dave, in his professionally announcery voice, mm-hmm. is going to read it as if it were copy from an ad or something. So 
why don't we go? Why don't you go ahead and shoot the uh, shoot the shoot the thing? As the Republicans would say, shoot it off. Shoot it off, which is a whole nother double entendre thing exactly. that the Republicans don't seem to yeah to understand. Get. All right, so if we could just have a little uh, appropriate music for this. Hello, my name is Tino. I'm calling to inquire about a possible position as a chef annually institution. I am very good at cooking. I am. I am what is known as a master a french fry. I can cook french fry any configuration be you to take the time. McCree. Go-kart or state fry any sicknesses potato will not form me off. I can cooking the skillet in a deep fryer and occasionally (coughs) on the solar panel. Don't ask. I'm also very handy within the not only there is nobody who knows more recipes that includes eventually, not send me and if you give me a bucket of bushel container apostle, <laughs> even a single pain you not only not I can. 21. I can meet to fly. I can make it and a dish that will be the electrical beyond compare. So please, if you're interested and my shift services, please give me a call back. You can reach me, look me up, I love you, and good cooking. So that is the Google translation of what was a very funny message. And actually, the translation... If you want to know the test of anybody's abilities... Yes. Give them an apostle. (laughs) (laughs) See what they do. With an apostle, you might not have heard that out there because Dave was laughing, laughing over it. But one of the actual things that it, it threw apostle in there <laughs> with a capital A, you know, not like only, biblically referenced. Not only was I laughing, I was reading perhaps the longest run-on, run-on sentence, sentence in the history of man. I'm going to do it again. Just yeah, do it was that fun. whole sentence. Okay. Do that whole sentence this from is, beginning to end. This is this is capital I to period. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to read it. As is. Okay. Here we go. I'm also very handy within the not only there is nobody who knows more recipes, that includes of annually not send me, and if you give me a bucket of bushel container, apostle, even a single pane, you only not I can. (laughs) 21. (laughs) 21. Even quoted the passage in the Bible (laughs) where (laughs) the apostles, you know, seriously, that is a good cook. That, that is someone I would hire. Because it's just like, hey, I'm really hungry. Well, what do you feel like? You know what? I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you an apostle. Maybe Paul. Maybe Peter. Surprise me. Season it. Prepare the apostle. Surprise me. I want to be surprised. This is the culinary... What did you have last night? Oh. Apostle. Apostle. This is actually the culinary equivalent of the Da Vinci Code, I think. <laughs> There's clues everywhere. Decoding history's mysteries. Cooking the Apostles. (laughs) Cooking the Apostles. Oh, man, I love that. But we're going to continue doing that. So if you want to join in, 347-829-PUNK. PUNK. 829-7685. When we come back, Kevin Allison's going to join us. And we are excited beyond belief. Awesome. This is the Commercials Free Podcast. We'll see Uh you just a bit. Hey, Ken. Wow, you're looking kind of down. I am down, Dave. Down in the 
dumps. Why? All the stuff we do here in the podcast, everything that pays for it comes out of our own pockets. I wish there was some goddamn way someone else could pay for it so I don't have to eat freaking chitlets all day. can mean only one thing. You it's know time what that for, means, Dave. Yeah, it's time podcast for Podcast to podcast. Well, Ken, you got that right. It's podcast to podcast where we talk to people who either have a podcast or are involved in a podcast or at one time or another maybe listen to a podcast. <laughs> Whatever. We'll take anyone. We are really excited for this week's guest. Uh, if you were anything like me in the early 90s, and I hope you were not, uh, you spent a lot of time uh, watching and, and loving the group The State on MTV. That's right. And uh, they are one of the legendary sketch groups. Uh, huge ever, following. I think. Yeah, huge following. Huge following. Low these many years later, and we are very happy to have with us a member of The State, Kevin Allison. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, great, great. Thanks for having me. Well, Absolutely. thanks for coming. No, thank you. Now, um, we don't want to... I mean, I'm sure you've been asked every single question there is, and, and, and all the stories about The State have been told, so I don't want to belabor anything but there is what is the one sketch that people remember most that they talk to you about well you know people remember people often shout at me like on the street it's the redhead gang (laughs) Uh, that used to scare me I remember once I got on a bus going to Lollapalooza right when we were on TV and things were going great and I had just smoked a joint so I was uh, I I was kind of paranoid and the bus (laughs) I, did, I didn't realize that Lollapalooza was starting to get all these frat boys interested in it. So, <laughs> yeah. so it was just uncomfortable. It just felt like it was such a macho bus, so I was kind of hiding in sunglasses and hat over. And suddenly, you know, someone shouts out, It's the Redhead Gang! And I said to my friends, Oh my God, they're going to kill me! <laughs> 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 but of course, you know, they were big fans of the show, so... Oh um, yeah, But I, I think the one that people actually, like, you hold in their heart is the uh, taco man one, the, the mailman <laughs> who delivers tacos. <laughs> That's also one of my favorites because it was voted down by the entire group except for the three of us who wrote it, me, uh, David, and Mike Black. Really? And Yeah, so what we did was we went gorilla. Uh, David talked to the art department and said, you get us a mailbox, and uh, we we used like a his David's home video camera, <laughs> and just knocked on someone's door and said, "Can we shoot on your front lawn?" Nice. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, we we sh- we shot and cut it ourselves, brought it back to the group, and they were like, "All right, it works." Nice. <laughs> Can I just tell you that the, that taco delivery sketch was one of the? I mean, because back then you didn't have stuff like that. No. And MTV, that's just when it was, you know, before it started going all teens and all uh, crappy, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And exactly. it, they had liquid television on and they had you guys, guys on and it was so cool. And I remember showing friends, taping it with a VHS tape and taping that sketch and showing it to friends and people just like, what was that? Just like that was absurd, and it's so absurdly funny. Just my style of humor. I think excellent work. Totally, I think you guys influenced an entire generation. I would say so. And you guys were so young at the time. 
we were we start we went our st- show started when we were 23 wow oh man um yeah and, and we had no training you know i mean no comedic training we just all met at nyu and uh, started a group together it was like 16 people at first and then we kind of we were always tossing people out uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> that, that created an atmosphere of fear throughout our entire existence. Which nice. is a good motivator. A fear is yeah, always oh, a great totally, motivator. Totally. What's amazing to me is that since then, all of you have A, gone on to success in other areas uh, of entertainment, and B, you all still time to time get together and can work together. Yeah, you know, it's. I have spent the past few months, I personally have been trying to figure out a way that the group can work together without all being in the same city. And what, uh, what the, the, the idea is to do an animated sketch show or an animated sketch special, That's something. Cool. And so we're trying to put that together now. Um, I, I just, you know, it's, we, we, we so dearly love each other. We're still like family, you know? And so when we do get together, we're just like kind of devastated to think, ah, fuck, why don't we do this more often? (laughs) But it's so hard to to, to get 11 people's schedules to match. Exactly. You know, like Ken and I are part of a sketch group and it was three, it's been three people the whole time. But but we haven't gone a straight six months without absolutely hating each other. And you guys go, like almost you know fifteen years, solid working together, and that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without oh, well, killing one we, we've had our rough times. Oh, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. <laughs> now, one thing we did want to uh, talk to you about, and actually the main reason we have you on, is to talk about the Risk Show. What is the Risk Show? Uh, you know, it, uh, for years I was doing, uh, you know, like when the state broke up, I was like, oh, what the fuck do I do now? Because we had all been planning on staying together like the Rolling Stones till we're 70 or something. So I hadn't really planned on a solo career. So what I started doing was character sketches, you know, just one dude on stage, either in a situation or telling a story. And eventually, uh, you know, like a couple years ago, I just got tired of the pretense of being someone else and realized that, you know, all my characters were based on a part of me anyway and started just uh, telling all my, you know, like most outrageous and embarrassing secrets and stuff like that out on stage. And the response was just like so different. It was like... You know, it's very interesting because when you tell story, when you do stand up, people are like, that was funny. But when you do a story that's good, people come up to you afterwards and they say, thank you. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, so it's pretty cool because uh, stories kind of connect people in a. in a, I don't know, some sort of primal way. Mm-hmm. And so what I decided was, why not put together a show? Because I noticed that the stories, when you go to storytelling shows like in New York, like at The Moth and The Liar and stuff like that, the ones that really wow the audience are ones normally where the audience feels like, oh, wow, this person's going out on a limb here telling us this. Yeah. Um, so I said, why not put together an entire series where, you know, you call it risk and everyone's encouraged to be taking some sort of risk with what they're 
storytelling, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a different theme each time. Uh, <coughs> so it's been, it's, you know, like it's it's one of those ideas that just people understand instantly, and it was instantly popular. You know, like the show had the wind at its back from the very beginning. That's mm-hmm. great. Now, I, I, I remember reading some of your blog before you started that show uh, where you told some stories that, that I thought you are just one of the bravest guys I think I've ever, I've ever met and, and have ever read. Did that <laughs> well, have a lot to do with, with uh, eventually turning it into a podcast? Yeah, well, you know, like, like this is the first project I've ever done in where I have not told my parents. <laughs> 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 yeah, my really? main fear is that, you know, my mom will ever find out about this stuff. Um, no, you know, like, it, it, it was especially Mike Black. Uh, w- back in the day, like, even when we were still on TV, like, I used to always come, we, we, the state used to have check-in which, you know, the, the day would begin and we'd sit, sit around for about 20 minutes just talking about our lives, you know, what's going on, mm-hmm. where I'm at emotionally, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And um, I would always come in with these insane, <laughs> <laughs> drugged-out tales of gay sex. <laughs> and, you know, the group was just always, you know, jaw-dropped. And, and, and Mike used to say to me, God, you have got to start doing that on stage. But for years and years and years and years, I was like, there's no way I can't, you know, get up the nerve. I don't know how to do it. But you know what changed it was that I started teaching. Hmm. When I started teaching sketch comedy, um, I've been doing it at the People's Improv Theater for a long time now. Um, I get to be both sides of my personality as I see it, like the friendly, nice, whatever, polite Catholic guy. I mean, I'm not an actual Catholic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How I was raised, you know. Right. Um, and the absurd, debaucherous lunatic. Uh, that You know, I get to be both of those things with my students, and they really appreciate it. So I think after years of teaching, I just got used to speaking to large groups of people as myself. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think that really kind of opened it up for me. Wow, that's that, great. And, and now, you started the state uh, back in the early 90s that we talked about. Now, was there even a possibility of doing a show like this that's so bare, that's so open uh, back then? I can't even imagine there being the same kind of accepting audience back then as there would be today. Yeah, it's really weird because uh, back then, when the state was on TV, that's when the alt comedy thing was starting. And back then, the the kind of gist of it was do be like Andy Kaufman, mm. get up on stage and do something that's going to fuck with everyone's mind. <laughs> um, and the UCB guys were actually, uh, you know, Amy and um, Ian and all those guys. They were great at that stuff, um, but eventually that just kind of died away and, and, you know, what it turned into was just kind of like stand-up that, you know, people in the Midwest might not get. Mm, Um, But this sort of storytelling thing was really championed by the Moth, and I think they got started maybe in like 98 or 99. Mm. Um, uh, and I think the main difference between, like, us and them is that our show is very curated. Like, me and Michelle, uh, Michelle Walson is the producer of the show. 
we sit down and talk with people beforehand. We ask them questions about their story. We just kind of like brainstorm with them. And people are always extremely uh, receptive to that. You know, I, at first you think, oh my God, you know, they might get offended that, you know, we're going to like ask them about their material. But people are usually like, oh my God, that was so useful to bounce stuff off of you. Mm, um, right. so, so our show is pretty curated, you know, um, it's uh, kind of carefully put together. Right. Having listened to it, um, and I, I mean this in the most positive way possible, it, it reminds me of something you'd hear on NPR, just with the straightforward presentation. It's not like you guys are going for yucks. There's just a lot of just straight up honesty going on there. Is that something, is that something you intended or is that something I just kind of took from it? Well, yeah, actually, you, well, you know, This American Life is kind of a uh, an inspiration, too, the way that that show, you know, kind of feels authentic and um, uh, you're, you're not quite sure in which direction it might go some of the time. Mm-hmm. So our show is naturally funny just because I'm the host and, the, you know, all the people that I, most of the people I know are from a comedy background. Um, and, and plus, I think that when you are telling stories that are so honest, like, y- you're going to kind of veer toward getting laughs a, a little bit. Uh, uh, it, but what makes it different from stand-up is that you don't feel like you have to get a laugh every eight seconds or mm, ten seconds right. or whatever it is. You can kind of just um, let, let the flow kind of take on a life of its own. Rather yeah, than yeah, yeah. I mean, my hope is is that what the podcast audience is getting is that the show is is generally funny, but there might be moments where you find yourself moved in in one direction or another. And that's never a bad thing. That is never a bad thing. Never. Yeah, totally. The episode we've... In our first episode, we said, and next time we're going to do uh, spiritual breakthroughs and breakdown. Well, it's taken us like a month or so to work on that damn spiritual <laughs> breakthrough oh, breakdown. Because yeah, because I mean we we've met we uh it will come out eventually, but uh it's uh, such a uh, deeper topic than most that it's been a little uh tricky. That's uh it's it that I can totally see that. I mean that's one of those things that people are are very uh hold close to the vest. Um some of the people who have been on the show, uh Margaret Cho, Rachel Dratch, Michael Ian Black uh, Janine Garofalo, um, among those people, who was who surprised you the most of them or whoever's been on the show in terms of what they brought to it? Um, well, I, I'll answer in two directions. First, it was very clear that Mike Black surprised the audience the most. The night we, ha- I think we had him like on our fourth week of doing the show. We were doing it weekly. We did it first at Arlene's grocery and then at Joe's Pub. Hmm. And the audience really didn't know what to make of it for the first, like, three weeks or so, uh, because they just expected a comedy show, they kind of expected stand-up, and they were like, <coughs> oh, what's this? But then when Black got up, and he... He, well, what he did was he just got up, and I think everyone was expecting the snarky, smug, you know, kind of asshole sort of personality <laughs> that he does. Uh, <laughs> and instead, he was totally low-key, totally honest, and uh, was clearly, like, coming up with most of it off the top of his head, like he might be talking to you over dinner or mm-hmm. something. 
And the audience was like, oh, okay, so this whole thing is people just dropping the act and really telling their story. And that's probably um, very attractive to people. People probably really bit into that. Yeah, totally, totally, because you get to see a different side of a person. Of course. Uh, but the, I think the one of those people that you just mentioned that surprised me the most was Rachel Dratch, because she told a story about after... Uh, after working on SNL, kind of be feeling a little bit lost and mm -hmm. getting caught up in that thing, The Secret, that oh, self-help book. Oh, God, the yeah, the hippie thing. Yeah, yeah, which is, is, is total insanity. I mean, it's like you, you wish for something and then you, you're like, you think the universe granted it and you thank the universe. So I It's kind of like Christianity in a way. Yeah, well, I thought the whole thing was really <laughs> embarrassing, but she made it hilarious, you know. Okay. Uh, um, so I was really glad that she did that. Wow. Um, that is such a cool idea, putting all that stuff together and just complete sincerity and honesty. Have you, have yeah. you found that, that, that artists themselves, um, has anybody kind of gotten wind of it and then have come to you and said, I really, really want to go up there and do something revealing? Have you gotten any kind of that response yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, we can't, at this point, like, kind of keep up with it all. So, I mean, we're, we're not, uh, we're not going to be at Joe's in January. Like, we're taking a couple months off, and we've got Cambry Cruz, who is the uh, publicist and booker for comics, is mm -hmm. now going to be doing our publicity and booking. So, we always want to have, a, uh, like, one or two big names like comedians, uh, maybe a writer. Uh, and then, of course, there's always these local storytellers who are always doing them on. So we like for it to be a mix. But I think that, that, that uh, you, what I always tell people is, if we can't get you up on the stage, we can always get you, we can always record you, you know, because right. there are those studio recorded stories on the podcast, too. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh there. yeah, 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 yeah. There's we, what we do is we just uh, well, they're not really studio record. They're recorded in Michelle's apartment. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you only saw our studio, we, yeah. If you, you know, only saw our studio, Kevin, it would be yes, multi-million dollar facility we're working in right now. Whatever. We're like we're like on particle board with wires all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, we we us podcasts got to stick together. Yes. Um, kind of like one of those like really la potentially lame questions, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Like you're on uh, Charlie Rose or something. If you could have a lineup of people, doesn't matter who, when they're from, where they're from, who would be like your dream lineup of getting up there and having them completely bare all and tell potentially embarrassing, but at least revealing stories. Oh well, you know what? I always <coughs> thought. I would love to see uh, Sarah Silverman get up and tell a story that had no bad language or filthy, filthy uh, imagery in it. A clean Sarah Silverman. <laughs> clean Sarah Silverman. <laughs> I think that would challenge. That's the like hell a religious hooker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kevin, I do have to break form for a second and ask you. And you might, you might have not been involved with it in any way, but it's an homage to the state. Did you have anything to do with the writing or creation of the real Abraham Lincoln sketch? Oh. <laughs> that was no, by far. That, because that we, is pure Ben Grant. That is Ben Grant uh, from beginning to end. Do you not love that piece? <laughs> 
I do, and you know what's so funny is I've seen other people kind of do that sketch, really? only not as good. You know, I saw that recently. I won't say who did it, but it was on TV, and I looked at it, and I went, did these guys watch MTV in the early 90s the way I did? Because it's kind of been done. Right. Well, yeah. you know who else did that? was SNL, apparently. There, there's a state sketch, uh, Light Coma, where uh, I think it's Black gets in a car accident, and he's been in a very light coma, and in, in like the two hours he's been in a coma, like his wife has married someone else. And, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> That's straight up stealing. Um, that is stealing and an SNL idea. And SNL did it. SNL oh. did it, and they even like kept the characters' names and all. Really? That's ridiculous. Yeah, apparently, yeah. That would upset me. But I do want to say, I don't know if you remember this line, but Abraham Lincoln saying, and I think this closed it, he says, all I care about is booze and pills. <laughs> and that sketch made no contact with reality whatsoever as far as the historically known Abraham Lincoln. And my hat goes off to that kind of stuff. That's what made you guys fantastic. Yeah, totally. Well, let's, oh, uh, yeah. uh, where, where can people find The Risk Show? Uh, Risk is it's free on iTunes. So uh, if you just go to the iTunes store, it's Risk with an exclamation point. And uh, you guys have a, a website, like the board game. Yeah. Oh yeah, Plus. yeah. There's also our website, which is uh, Risk-Show.com. Risk-Show.com. Well, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for your time, and congratulations on the show and all your continued success. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. This has been a blast. That's awesome, awesome. and we'd, we'd love to have you come back and share some more stories anytime you want. Cool. Thanks so much. All right, that Kevin, is, you take care. It was a pleasure. Yeah, okay, bye-bye. That bye -bye. is uh, Kevin Allison Kevin of Allison the State. Of the What's State. Risk-show.com risk if you want to check out uh, Kevin's uh, show, Risk. And uh, for appearing on the show, uh, Kevin will be enjoying a gift pack of macaroons for mostly macaroons. Mostly macaroons. Incredible freaking macaroons. <laughs> that is the tagline. That is the tagline, indeed. Incredible stuff. Um, mostly macaroons. They create delicious homemade baked treats for gift baskets, party favors, special events, or your own personal enjoyment. www.mostlymacaroons.com. And these are not shitty macaroons. They're not shitty gifts. No, not at all. It's good good stuff. Order now for the holidays. Yes. This is the Commercials Free Podcast on www.thecommercials.tv as well as the magic of iTunes. We are coming back with some final thoughts right after Badass Johnny. Hey Dave, don't you wish we had more cash to do cool things on the program? I sure do, Ken. I'd sure love to start that whole mind control thing I've been thinking about. That's right. That is a crazy idea that'll never work. You should be on medication. But in the meantime, what I'm talking about is getting advertisers for our show. Oh, you're talking about companies who want to pay us money for time on our show 
to advertise their wares and services? That would be the definition of advertisement, dumbass. All you need to do is send an email to info at thecommercials.tv and that gets the ball rolling for us to start advertising the heck out of what you're doing. We'll even put up graphics of your business and or service product on our site. And if you spend enough money, Ken will tattoo your business name on his forehead. I have no tattoo skills and I'm not allowed to touch needles by order of law. But I'll do my best to make the greatest tattoo you ever seen. Howdy, everyone. This here's Badass Johnny, giving y'all a shout-out for my Badass MySpace page. I got some advice for you. Advice they might give you in the big house. Number one, don't download any of them computer viruses. They'll cut you up and down in every which way. Number two, if a real pretty girl decides to add you as a friend, and I mean she's so pretty, you know that she can't possibly be wanting to add you as a friend. Don't accept it. Market is spam, because they ain't real. Them just salesmen for the porn company. And number three, whenever you're on the internet, make sure you clear out your internet cash. The government watches you, and if they watch me too hard, I'll end up in the big house once again. Back here on the commercials free podcast, thecommercials.tv. And also available through the magic of iTunes. Has been an amazing show so far. Kevin Allison was excellent with the stories he told. He was awesome. Uh, actually please. here. He was actually here. On the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm scrubbing my eyes in a disbelief type way. Yeah, it was an excellent, excellent time spent with him. Good. And please do check him out www.risk-show.com. Ken, it's once again time for final thoughts. It is time for final thoughts, Dave, isn't it? And I brought with me something that I know interests you because I know you have a, a vested interest in space and space travel and, and space exploration and what space time. exploration you're a star trek fan basically i'm a loser is what um, it down to. you 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 are uh the Undateable. world's most nerdy uh guy with uh multiple uh love interests i think i i, I have ever met thank you very much uh today i, I heard that nasa's big plan <coughs> is that they are building a, a program and, and as you know, they just recently shot a rocket into the moon, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they wanted to determine whether or not there was water on the moon. Mm-hmm. And f- having found that there is water on the moon, the plan now is to slowly but surely establish a space station mm-hmm. on the moon. Right. And from there, once they set up camp there, they're going to use that as a launching pad to eventually land on Mars. Okay. And then what? And just then what what? Well, and then just hang out and be like, we're going to go to Mars, but first we're going to stop by the moon for a couple things, and then we'll go to Mars. and uh, J- Then what? Th- they're going to find out what's on Mars. They're going to find out if there was actual life or, or any evidence. You know that what life they're going to find, Dave? What? what? Red sand. That's what they're going to find. My theory is... You take all the little lame things NASA's doing right now. They're not lame things. They are. Let me finish. All right, go ahead. They are lame things. They are stupid, frivolous, lame things. Like, I think NASA is a group of hippies that are just like, let's do this. Let's make astronaut-colored M&Ms. Dave, do you know 
how much it costs to train one astronaut. And I don't mean a plane flying, rocket booster igniting, second stage rocket booster disattaching astronaut. I mean just a run-of-the-mill astronaut that presses buttons. Um, I, I for, Before I answer, wh- what does a run-of-the-mill astronaut do? Oh, not much. He speaks a couple languages, knows some math, and grows stuff. And he just hangs out on the spaceship? Yeah. As in other a- words, to, in order to be qualified to go into that stupid thing... And float around for a bit. How much? You know how much it costs. You mean, to you mean the, this the International Space Station? No, that no, stupid no. Any, thing. Any, well, that stupid thing too, because uh, it's falling apart at the seams. It really is. It was hastily put together. Let me just say that. Okay, that's a whole different story. Okay, go ahead. Hastily put. It's like a Lego thing. How much? You know how much it costs to train one runner? How much does it cost to train one? Fourteen point four billion dollars to train one stupid NPR listening to astronaut. At fourteen point four four million dollar billion, billion billion I'm sorry with a B with a B. to train an astronaut who is uh, then qualified to take a massive rocket and strap it to his back and bravely go into outer space for the benefit of our learning about not just the world around us but the entire universe around us. All right, listen, yeah. let me tell you something. Have you ever listened to an astronaut speak recently? Um, this is my impression of an astronaut speaking. Okay, recently. go ahead. Okay, recently we launched from Cape Canaveral, and we were in the we were in the hydrosphere. We were in the upper ionosphere. What were you doing up there that was so exciting and cost so much of our goddamn tax money? Well, I for one was studying how plants grow in zero gravity. All right, I could save you fourteen point four billion dollars plus all those ancillary things too by telling you a plant's gonna grow weird. <laughs> Without gravity. Done. I just saved you $14.4 billion, and I saved this guy, this stupid guy, a trip up and how much it costs. So, okay. what I'm saying well, is... All right, fine. Okay. Well, no, I can understand um, maybe just the, the the dubiousness of some of these experiments that yeah. are going on. Uh-huh. But imagine now Robert Smith, this astronaut of The Cure... Going to Mars, where it's no longer experimenting, it's actually standing there and looking around and getting actual information, which would be unprecedented. What is he going to do? That's dubious, not unprecedented. Once he gets to Mars, he's going to be like, All right, I'm calling you from this little Mars cube thing, because we can't go out, it's all carbon monoxide. But, um, okay, there's some sand and it's red, and there's more sand that's red. And there's some sand here that's also red. Basically, to sum up, there's a lot of red sand. You're making a lot of assumptions that there's nothing to be found on Mars. Dave, mostly there is nothing to be found on Mars. What I'm saying, all right, and, and you have to take what I'm saying very seriously, is save up all the money. You know, like on Christmas, like you say to your kids, all right, what do you want for Christmas? You can have a lot of little not so great things. Or one one expensive present. You know that, that concept, right? Yes, I understand okay. that idea. Well, <coughs> NASA should follow the same line of reasoning. Instead of doing all these stupid things and setting up all these stupid people, save the money that they'd be spending over the next 10 years and after and put it in a nice savings account at, say, Chase or... or <laughs> Or somewhere, you know, it's like a four percent yearly interest. It may go up and down a little bit, but still, 
you're making money on having that money in the account and it will make a lot of interest even if it's four percent because it's billions and trillions of dollars and and save that money up and after 10 years crack open that account and build one giant ass super spaceship that can go way beyond mars way beyond anything and explore the real stuff get down to brass tacks okay we're gonna go with the assumption that that mars is is a worthless pursuit and we should not even bother landing on no, mars no we should look around but not make a huge deal about it okay what do you think is out there beyond mars that would be of any other interest to us i can tell you this much not planets that are mostly windy and dusty. Not that. And that's enough to save up the money to build a big spaceship so you can go farther and explore more interesting, weirder things. First of all, I'm just amazed that you're equating the <coughs> idea of going to the moon, sending up a space station, and then going to Mars and sending up a space station to getting three action figures and a baseball bat instead of getting an Xbox. I want to know, in these ten idle years of the NASA space mm -hmm. program, mm -hmm. who the hell's going to be on this ship? They're gonna, it's going to cost the same amount, if not more, to train an astronaut to be able to fly the Millennium Falcon you want them to build. Right. How do you think this is saving anybody any money? Because it's, it's like... Uh don't 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 be a wise investor. Be a smart investor. <laughs> what I mean is, what I mean is, specifically, and I, forgive me, I'm exhausted. What I mean is, we're doing a lot of stupid things up in space. We're we're very flippantly like, you know, and it's very arbitrary. Let's, you know, one of the little things broke on the International Space Station. There's like, I think some wires broke. Send up a couple guys to fix it. No. This is not where your priority should be. Build a giant ship, fill it with people, throw it off into one, pick, just pick a direction in space and launch it as fast as we can in that direction and bid them good luck. You know, we have a, a funny, uh, you know, it's not meant to be serious, but there's a saying we have in the Koenig family, mm -hmm. and that is um, our attitude about uh, th things mm -hmm. and, and purchasing things and the value of things is if the refrigerator is broken, buy a new house. This is what you want to do with the entire space program. And, and its budget. Yes. So, okay, what happens to the people who are up on the space station? Oh, well, I imagine they'd eventually run out of food and air and die. So you just want them to... That's, that's, that's an um, acceptable the loss. Out few, outweigh the, the need of the few or the one. Yeah. And by the way, that is a direct quote from Star Trek. But the, the real, what, what, what the basis of this argument comes from is like, let's do something big already. Let's, and forget about training nerds. Let's just grab a bunch of oil rigger guys and throw them in a spaceship and say, you know, don't bring me back samples of ionized oxygen from D sector in the hydrosphere. Bring me back. You go find an alien and cut its head off and bring it back to us, and we want to see it. Well, how about how, or how about that same crew of oil men? I don't know. Lands on a a large comet, or I don't know, maybe a, oh, an asteroid, and and drills a hole, and for fun throws a nuclear bomb down, 
and Ben Affleck sings to Liv Tyler. Maybe they should save up and just make a sequel to Armageddon 2. You know what? That would be make a sequel to Armageddon 2? Yes. And they I should think skip, they should make the third. They, sh- they, they should, should skip just two skip 2. And not say anything save and just the money. say Armageddon Save 3. the money they would have made making Armageddon 2 and just go ahead and make Armageddon 3. But you know what? The money they would have saved, that is going to be one kick-ass Part three. Yes, because he, it'll and be nothing so else. Good. Hollywood he, has shown us that the more a movie costs, the better it is. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's my money. It's my taxpayer money. I want more bang for my buck. I want more exciting things happening. I think we should have a Stargate program. I think that we should have an Area 51. I think we should have alien invasions. I think V should be real. Somehow we can make that real. I think we should do all these things that make space exploration exciting. Instead of being like, water's weird in space when it's, you know, water acts differently. Who gives a shit? A lot of things are gonna act differently in space. I could take my, my MP3 player into outer space. It'll probably, act unusually so uh, let me just sum up for America here Mm -hmm. Ken Pond has spoken and he wants NASA to stop repairing its existing apparatus right stop going into space Mm -hmm. save up the pennies for 10 years and by the time that 10 year span is elapsed NASA will have enough money to make sure that aliens come to Earth. Good sure, plan. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I will take that. Because right now, the space program is boring as hell. Nobody cares. Nobody will care. That is what I think. And if I was in charge, I would launch everything up into space. I would say, let's get a chicken pot pie and Ronald Reagan's corpse and just launch them up there, see what happens. Now that's something people will watch, and it's tasteful. So basically, uh, what we're left with is the idea of Jerry Bruckheimer running NASA, sure, with uh, Andy Warhol as its director of operations. That is such a good idea, actually. Oh boy, let's bring back Kevin Allison. Yeah, if we can get Kevin Allison back now, <laughs> he's running for the hills. <laughs> well, this has been the commercials that TV at the commercials. .tv.com and the commercials you don't want to end yet do you no I want to end but I'm just curious what, what show you or what website you're talking about <laughs> I, th- I believe it's ours yeah but this is the, the, the oh, go ahead uh, you, can I try again yeah let's give it a shot because right, I never get to do this no no I want you to do this All right. you are listening to the commercials http colon forward slash forward slash the commercials no, there's a www in there. Yeah. Let's just say the commercials.tv. And this is the commercials free podcast. Want to thank Kevin Allison for joining us. Thank you, Kevin Allison. Dave Koenig, my wonderful cohort in stuff. Ken W. Pond. And uh, until next week, we hope you'll join us. And uh, oh, don't forget to call us 347 829 Punk. Leave us a voicemail. Leave us a wacky one. And of course, uh, always find us at the commercials.tv. And the magic of iTunes. Boy. See you next week. Uh, just...
Ah, two hours and 50 minutes later, we stopped recording. Do you think that third act 